teachers, I'm Carly Walton and this is the Teach Music Online Podcast. It's a show where you'll find tips for running your music studio, whether that's online or in person. I'm all about helping the studio owner thrive through getting new students, being organized, automating your business, and creating engaging lessons. Today's review is from TMO member Kat. She left this review for the Teach Music Online membership. Teaching piano online and running literally everything in your own studio can feel very isolating and lonely. Being a part of Carly's community has helped me meet other teachers like me and their encouragement and support means so much to me. I love all the events that she provides for teachers, helping us gather together in a safe place to learn, fail, and learn again. Thank you, Carly, for being an amazing mentor for all of us. Thank you, Kat, for being in our community and sharing your expertise with us as well. We love you. We think you're just awesome. Carol Matz is a dear friend of mine. She and I have collaborated on projects and webinars many times over the last couple of years. Actually, Carol reached out to me in 2019 as she saw that I was creating a mini course helping teachers teach piano online. And she wanted to connect with me. She wanted to help provide some of her resources for online teaching. And she's just been an amazing support over the years. You might know her as the creator of the Interactive Piano Method, which has been my go-to method for several years now. She's worked with Alfred, FJH, and many of the big publishing companies. Most recently, Carol has created two new courses. These are digital courses that you can purchase online, and she's helping teachers learn how to compose and how to arrange. She has spent over a year developing these courses so that any piano teacher, no matter your level, can learn how to write music for your students and also learn to incorporate composition into your own daily lessons. I am so excited to share with you the discussion that Carol and I had. So here we go, here's my interview with Carol Matz. It's so good to have you. Thank you so much for being here. How How is your week going? <laughs> Everything's great, Carly. I'm so glad to see you. It's been a little bit of a while, and I guess I've been off-grid making courses. That's what I've been doing. You've joined my club. It's a fun yes, club. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I, got, I caught the bug from you. Yeah, it's, you know, course creation is fun for a lot of reasons. Um, I mean, for you now, you are at the end where you're experiencing actual people going through what you've created. How does that feel? It's surreal. It's it's very exciting, but it's, you know, what I've always experienced as a composer, you make stuff up and then it's in someone else's brain. It's very strange. Halfway <laughs> around the world, it's like, oh, I was humming that tune in my head or making up that little song. And it's on somebody's, you know, some kid's piano in Singapore. I mean, to me, that's just the most amazing blessing, the coolest thing that I could have thought to do with what I think, you know, were my born talents and yes. things I've worked on. It's the most fulfilling thing, I think. Oh, I love that. I had a, a teacher message me the other day, a screenshot of me. She took a picture of a call she was in, uh, a recording, and she said, I'm doing some professional development this morning with your course. I'm so thrilled. And it's just like so neat. And I'm sitting there making breakfast for my kids, you know, right. I'm not having to be there physically but people can enjoy your work in whatever time, at whatever pace they need. Absolutely, yeah. It's really nice to feel like you're contributing that yeah. way. I think it's one of the most important things you can do in life 
what are we here for? Taking care of each other and contributing anything that I can help the teaching community with. It enriches my life as well as everyone else's. And, you know, that's always my philosophy. You are the best, Carol. I I, I often think back to when you first reached out to me in 2019, as I had just started to create curriculum and courses. And I remember thinking, Carol Matz is one of my favorite composers and she wants to like collaborate with me. I just was so yeah. excited. <laughs> well, you're the best, Carly. Absolutely. Everyone, everyone in CMO knows that. No, I really, I, and with you, with knowing how to do all the things that I'm not great at, believe me that I've learned a little bit over the past several years uh, by example, by your example and oh, watching well, how you. you are with the community too. There are probably some people listening who aren't familiar with your career in composition. So I would love if you want to share just a few highlights from the past little while, some of your favorite times or moments in your history of composition. Absolutely. Um, I've had a, a really fortunate career in that I think it was like 1994 was my first uh, publication was accepted by FJH Music. And for those who don't know, I'm in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, as is FJH. I went to the University of Miami and my professor got a phone call. They needed somebody to do a something, long story short, that evolved into meeting up with the publishers at FJH and me working for them. Um, but what's so amazing to me is like certain things that happen that you don't expect. For example, I know I was studying at the University of Miami and I did my first orchestral composition. I wrote a piece on piano, really, that I thought was just this very beautiful, lush, almost like a film scorey kind of piece. And then we wrote it out and then we went to the University of Miami where they had all the, you know, the string players and everything. And here we are, you know, from the jazz, you know, the jazz department leftovers over here waiting to hear our beautiful pieces. And when when the downbeat came, I really think my heart skipped a beat. I don't think I've ever experienced this wall of sound came at me. All the 75 different string players and horn players. I almost thought I was going to like weaken the knees kind of thing. And it's the moments of realization of your product or your creativity, hearing it back. Um, for example, okay, don't tell your students I do this, but I go on YouTube and I totally put my name in and stalk. And then I... <laughs> <laughs> my partner comes to me and says, what are you crying about? I'm on YouTube again, watching little kids play my music. I mean, it really, it really is how I feel, you know, just seeing a little kid beaming or her parents so proud of her to recital. So whether it's watching YouTube videos or like going to a, a conference where I hear students um, doing the monster concerts, like, you know, of a piano duet of mine and they're dressed up and stuff like that. Those are definitely the highlights. I mean, the royalty checks are never the highlights. <laughs> they help. But um, really, to me, it, it really is about that giving. You know, um, I was really lucky when I was working with Alfred Music. I got to travel around the world and talk to piano teachers. I've had deep conversations on how to teach students with teachers in Auckland, New Zealand, in Queensland, in Australia, in Canada, in, I mean, all over England, from Bristol to, you know, London. People wanted to come in here. Oh, they heard I have a nice accent. They want to hear the American accent. So that to me was being able to just connect with people like that. Huge highlights for me. And then I came out on my own. And I think that launching the um, interactive piano method is probably the thing that I'm most proud of. And you should be. 
You should be so proud of what you've created and built. You know, there's there we can have so much pride when we are able to create something that not just helps people, but su supports yourself um, <laughs> as a woman, you know, in this world. Yeah. And I think teachers listening should be inspired by the fact that you kind of carved your own path in that area <laughs> before it was a thing, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes wonder if, you know, like with, um, I feel like I, I jumped out on this on my own because the landscape is changing in our business and the mm -hmm. big publishers aren't really, you know, what they were. The influence wasn't always wielded and things have become a little bit more, let's say less centralized in a way. Um, I think a lot of teachers have so many creative ideas that they want to get out there. Like when I was starting out, um, so in a, in a sense, I feel like the, you know, interactive method and also my courses for teachers, it's like a legacy, you know, it's yeah. super important for me to pass all that information on that I've learned over decades as a composer and arranger, uh, for music students, especially. And mm -hmm. so now you've got like, um, you know, everybody has a way that they can get their stuff out there. It's not yeah. always the easiest. Um, but the big publishing companies aren't doing what they used to do, which was being able to seek out new music and develop up uh, composers. So I'm hoping to maybe fill a little bit of, of that gap. Yes, I, I, I can see that. You are empowering teachers to do it where they may have not had the education or maybe they have composed one or two pieces and they know right. it's a joy for them, but they don't know the mechanics or the creativity. So tell us, yeah, a little bit more about the two courses you've created. So for teachers who want to compose and for teachers who want to arrange. Yeah, um, there are two separate courses. I like to think of them as in a bundle and I do sell them like that because they flow naturally into each other. Um, mm -hmm. The courses are like they have videos of me discussing everything but it's loaded up with all kinds of useful stuff for you. Um, one of the things that I've got in there are an entire section. Well, there's an entire section on notation. So we're talking about not emphasizing learning any particular notation software. We're talking about learning it, knowing how to grab a pencil and, and, mm -hmm. and sketch this out. Even if it's shorthand, like my chicken scratch, you want to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody who writes, say they're in a recording studio or whatever, they're like, oh, I got an idea for a horn line and you got to go over there and scribble it down and bring it over to the, you know, the trumpet, trombone and sax player, you know I mean? Yeah. Of course, if you're not looking to do that exactly, it's you'll start to think in terms of writing on paper. So there's that left brain. It's kind of a holistic approach where I'm addressing left brain with the notation and, and all of the analytical thought. And then the right brain, I have an entire section on creativity. This is a big passion of mine. So my philosophy behind teaching creativity, along with composition and technique, um, is a way that it can be approached as a science and an art, put it that way. You can use your analytical side to jumpstart or stimulate your creative side. Mm -hmm. So you can think, of, I think about it like everybody's got an analytical side, it allows you to function in society, get out of bed, plan, mm -hmm. evaluate things, make decisions. So we can all use that very basic ability to stimulate creative ideas. People have creativity innate but it's on a spectrum like and everything else like my math skills allow me to with a lot of 
pain, figure out a tip that goes on a check and that's it. Okay. If I wanted to spend all day doing Sudoku or something else that I could Mm. develop my mathematical side. I just so don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) I have a calculator and a phone now, you know. So but the idea with with creativity um, is to develop that regardless of how it resides in you naturally. Um, And I did a lot of research on what the scientists are saying about, um, you know, cognitive research on how creativity works. One of the main this was really cool. What I learned while I was doing this, one of the main categories is learning how to make connections. It's teaching your brain to make connections the way uh, to make connections change the way your mind operates during creative thinking. So like your everyday normal thinking prevents Mm -hmm. you from connected, unexpected, crazy things. Now that's good because like if I'm on the side of the road and I have a flat tire, you know, where does my thinking, my everyday thinking is okay call AAA on my phone or flag somebody down. The unconventional, when you're out in the middle of the street and you're all dressed up, you got heels on and you're on the side of the road, the cars are whizzing by, you're not thinking, wow, wouldn't it be cool if like I yelled out Dracarys and the dragon came down from the sky and lifted me in my car and flew me back? You know, I mean, the whole idea is we're trained to think practically, logically, what do I do in this instance? So by doing these exercises where I'm asking you to think up stupid stuff, (laughs) the unexpected things, you're training yourself to reach into the far corners of your mind and make that strengthening of your creative thinking abilities. Can you tell us about the journey a teacher could expect going through for teachers who want to compose? What's the kind of the path that you take them through as they go through your videos? Because there are a lot of lessons in there, but I know you mapped it all out. I know you thought in depth, like what are the bigger topics, the smaller topics? Like what's that journey look like? Yeah. So the way that I approached this, it was I don't just for those who are interested in making courses or creating anything. Here's my little tip. Don't do a darn thing until you have the entire thing conceptualized in your brain and outlined. I don't write boo before I know what the ending is going to be. I mean, I'm, I've written a novel that I'm finishing the first, the first draft on. And it's like, you don't write that book until you know what the ending is. So that's kind of how I want to encourage everybody to, to think about that, you know, understand where you're going. Um, so I start off, obviously, with composition basics, going through uh, melodic variation, how you manipulate a melody. Melody. I talk about all of the different, um, how to write for the different layer, the different levels of students, whether it's early inter- intermediate or intermediate, et cetera, getting into all those things. So the first module is about those basics and how to take a melody and then kind of make it into something that develops. Um, taking a seed and planting it, you know. Um, But what's interesting is that I give a lot of composition prompts along the way. So you're given an assignment, but I don't want, I don't want the teacher to, you know, be staring at a blank page of paper going, what am I going to write? You know, it's prompts along the way. So I'll kind of say, here, try this, try this. It's written right in the score for you. So kind of like taking you by the hand and walking you through. Now, the second module I decided to make on teaching modes. Now, it's not that you're going to write all your pieces in different modes. I mean, you could. um, But the idea here was to take what you learned in module one about developing a melody and doing your proper notation and all these other things, 
But now I'm going to hold your hand a little less. You're going to mm -hmm. use Phrygian mode and you're going to use this key signature and this whatever, this time signature and E Phrygian. And then I'm kind of easing you into having more creative freedom. That's really what the modes is all about. Also to open your ears and not write everything in major and minor. Um, and then the third module is on harmony. This is the big thing on chords. And my take on it is completely unconventional and practical. Mm. You know, I I took all the college theory and Neapolitan six. I still don't know what that means. I mean, I knew it for the test. I got all A's, but I have. Does anyone use it? I don't think so. <laughs> Every time I hear it, I think of ice cream, right? The yeah. Neapolitan, the three flavors of ice cream. So, no, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I wanted my harmony section to be practical. Everything is practical. This is not uh, an, an academic exercise in anything. I don't get into atonal composition. I don't understand. If you want to learn it, okay. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to make five cents off of it. And if you want to do it as a, you know, part of your, your personal growth and in, in creativity, <laughs> I mean, it's a completely different ball game. I'm not interested in that. I've always been mm -hmm. interested in writing for students. I want to write pieces that's going to, you know, kids are, we need, we're making the next generations of musicians yeah. and for better or worse, I don't know about you, but I watched the Grammys the other night, man, this bunch of this generation, these kids are talented, no matter what you think of pop music or not. I yeah. am listening to chords that are coming out of the seventies. Mm. Um, my, one of my, heroes uh, passed away today it was Burt Bacharach. He was 94, lived a great life. He was the greatest songwriter. He wrote everything. But the world needs now is love, sweet love, raindrops mm -hmm. keep falling. Around. So he I was 94, 94. Oh, wow. He lived a good life. Good <laughs> life. But <laughs> I was really sad this morning. I actually got out my Burt Bacharach, started playing it because I talk about him actually a lot in the harmony section because you write what you hear. And what I started to say about the pop musicians nowadays, I mean, you're hearing them using chords that Burt Bacharach used. They're using major sevens, minor sevens, slash chords, all these mm. things in unique ways. This is not 90s hip hop. This is not, you know, 70s disco. I mean, there are a lot of forms of music. There was a woman um, who just won a Grammy mm. for her folk album, Madison Cunningham. And she's unbelievable. She sounds like Joni Mitchell meets Stephen Sondheim, mm. you know? So it's like, I do get that kind of it's a, a Yiddish word. I, I fell. I get filled with joy when I see the next generations, you know, picking up that baton and really writing beautiful music. So in my course, I, I like to go into the history of pop music because you write what you listen. That's yeah. I listened to the Beatles and Burt Bacharach and Steely Dan and whoever else I was listening to along with Bach and Beethoven and everything else, they created like my harmonic vocabulary in my mm -hmm. brain. When you start writing music, you start um, using the things that you've heard yeah. and drawing on those. Do so you, yeah, so do you give suggestions for what what you'd suggest teachers to be listening to as they're writing or is it kind of like whatever you like to listen to, you know, I don't know. Does it depend on if they're writing classically or they're writing jazz or blues or. 
You know, my take is really I mean, I don't want to sound cliche. Listen to everything, because I'm just yeah. telling you right now, you know, this this city girl does not listen to country. Uh, sadly, my father was an opera aficionado and I do not listen to opera. <laughs> I know, whatever. I mean, you know, I listen to a lot of rock. I actually play guitar probably way more hours a day than I play piano. So I listen. One of the things in the lessons interesting that you ask this question, one of the in one of the lessons I talk about how I was inspired to write my piece soaring over Sedona. It's just a nice late intermediate. It's on the Federation mm -hmm. list piece. You know where I got the inspiration from that Stone Temple Pilots song. <laughs> this was this if people who don't know that is like a grunge rock and roll band from the early 90s. That's my wheelhouse, man. Yeah. Those are my people. I'm the I'm Dave Grohl's age. OK, so that was what. Mm. But I heard them going from an F major nine to an F minor nine. Well, mm. whether they know they were doing it or not, I don't care. I knew what they were doing. Yeah. And yeah. I went, Ooh, that'll be a cool intro. So I always tell people, listen, you, you don't want to force yourself to listen to what you don't like. But try listening to what you might not listen to. I'm about to send out an email to the people who have uh, joined the courses. Um, there's a Internet radio station, Internet radio, where you can go on and listen to music in Kazakhstan and then a little village in Italy. And then mm -hmm. it's you just jump all over the world. Oh, I cool. listen to a ton of like I like uh, Hindustani classical music like uh, Ravi Shankar, all that, you know, Indian mm -hmm. stuff. Um, I it's just whatever you listen to will come out. Yeah. So if when yeah. I wanted to write some blues, I wanted to write some really good blues stuff. I happen to be playing a lot of blues guitar. I steeped my ears in yeah. that and was able to write a more authentic blues piece. So write, listen to what you want to write, I guess is a way to say it. Do you you know, I can hear somebody just listening to this thinking, gosh, I've never composed before. Like I've, I, I think that would be so cool. I've never done it. I don't know if I could do that. What would you tell this person, this teacher who has this little interest is your course for them as well? Absolutely. My course is for anybody who has enough knowledge to teach piano lessons. In other words, I'm not going to explain to you the difference between a major and right. a minor chord. Right. So we're starting at a level of understanding and that's all you need. <laughs> you yeah. need to you need to have the desire because this course is designed for you exactly. Like I didn't write this to, you know, have to, to show off what you learn in college. Like I said, atonal or anything like that. I wrote this especially for piano teachers. Yes. Who think to themselves, man, I'd love to write some songs for my students. Mm -hmm. uh, I would love to learn how to teach composition. What better way to learn how to teach yes. composition than to know how to do it and see how I teach it to you so that you can teach it to your students just as effectively. Um, a lot of teachers really, you know, you don't have to be a co composition genius to write some, say, highly patterned pieces for mm. students who might be having difficulties with certain concepts or arrange uh, some Christmas carols for your students, at the, you know, as a holiday gift. Um, mm -hmm. So some people are going to want to go all the way and publish yeah. and therefore help other teachers, students, which is the ultimate gift, like I was yeah. talking about earlier. But like I said, this this course does not assume that, you know, anything and other than the basics of music theory. And 
it takes you by the hand. So in other words, I don't like that fear of the blank page syndrome. It's just, you know, if I what I like to do is teach how to write within parameters. Well, when we're writing for students. A lot of people feel handcuffed and they're like, well, I don't know, because I can't use eighth notes and I can't use this key. And I well, those are all I will talk about how those actually help you. All those restrictions will actually, I'll show you how to take all of that and turn it around and make all of your restrictions inspirations. I thrive on Mm -hmm. sitting down and knowing I'm going to write a three page piece. It's got ABA form. We're going to go to a little coda, it'll DC all coda, blah, blah, blah. And it's going to be in the key of D minor. And I want like a Tarantella. I mean, you just make some decisions up front map it out and plug fill in the blanks in a sense, but that's how you avoid. Yes. Um, what am I going to write? Yeah. And how am I going to keep it in that level? And, Oh, this little cool thing I want to do is going to be 16th notes, but I can't use yeah. that. So you start the other way by looking at your restrictions and it makes you like a little sketched out outline on paper. So that's what I'm going to teach you how to do so that you can say, oh, I've got a student who really needs works on work on a, a dotted eighth sixteenth. So, all right, let's write a little scherzo, you know, do something like that. Pick a key, pick a time signature, especially do not pick major and do not pick four, four. That's another thing. Like I want, I want everybody to learn the the joys of uh, unexplored minor sounds, Mm. other different modal sounds, pentatonic, minor pentatonic blues, (laughs) because too many, if you sit down and you say, I'm going to write an easy piece. Well, it's going to be in the key of C students. Hands are going to be in a quote C position or C five finger pattern. It's going to be in four, four. Well, good luck (laughs) writing something that doesn't sound like, you know, a cheese sandwich with mayonnaise, because that is just the, oh, that's just too common. There won't be that thing that will make it easy for you to write. If you say, I'm going to write a three, four piece in D minor, I'm going to move the student's hand up. So the thumbs on D, D, E, F, G, A. Well, all of a sudden you have a completely different palette and Mm -hmm. you've got, you know what? I like to think about writing using uh, left-hand accompaniment patterns, things that are built in, like a Tarantella has a built-in accompaniment pattern or whatever it is that you want to do. And then going from there and also finding your inspiration in strange places. I've been asked a lot, like, how do you come up with ideas for your songs? And I want to tell your listeners a secret. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I like to do things on a budget because I'm doing them on my own. Um, When I set out to make the interactive piano method, I didn't write the music and then find somebody to do illustrations. I wrote all the music to illustrations that already <laughs> existed. What? <laughs> Save myself $75,000 that I didn't have. Um, no, really. I found an artist who's, you know, you go on like iStock photo and things yeah. like that, where, you know, stock photo. And I saw this guy who had all like six or 7,000 illustrations were so perfect. So wow. many cool things. I bought, you know, like a yearly license. I paid like probably a total of four or $5,000. And I looked at his art and I got inspiration for whatever the drawing might have been. You know, if it was a, you know, a drawing of a forest or if it was a drawing of donuts. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Look, donuts. I'll make a song about donuts. I mean, whatever it was, you can find external 
inspiration. It doesn't have to all come from the, you know, personal experience, you know, try to just pick topics and ideas and song styles that you think kids would enjoy playing. Oh my gosh. Well, you've inspired me. I'm ready to go sit at my piano. Yeah, I, you are, (laughs) you know, it's, it's really neat because teachers get you as a personal tutor. Yeah. And we were talking about this before the call a little bit about course creation and how, how wonderful, what a wonderful gift it is for us to give because we are allowing people your expertise, but they don't have to pay for that one-on-one time. Right. They're they're just getting your brain and your methods and your practicality and can do it in their own time. I mean, it's just what an amazing world we live in. (laughs) It's true. If they can get that from you. Well, and I think it's really important that people go at their own pace. I think a lot of people, I've had some hesitant emails about the course, although I have a great bunch of teachers signed up, but a couple of people were kind of like, oh, I don't know if I could keep up. Well, there's no (laughs) keeping up. That's the good thing. All you have to do is keep up with yourself. You it's lifetime access. It's really just buy this. Here's everything I know from my brain into yours. Yeah. And I've set up a little um, Facebook group that's only for teachers who paid for the courses. And it's really cool because I can bop in there and answer questions and kind of keep tabs on how everybody's doing and, you know, kind of have some involvement, even if it's not every week I'm teaching you, but it'll feel like every week I'm teaching you, you know, I, I'm, I speak just the same in my videos. So, yeah, you know, learning, learning any new skill or creating anything that's worth creating. I'm just wanting those listening and watching to remember that it takes time effort, dedication, commitment, sacrifice. Someone was asking me the other day, like, how in the world do you create courses and content and podcasts while raising children? And I'm like, <laughs> guess what? Netflix is not in my vocabulary. Like I don't binge on Netflix every night, maybe once in a while with my husband, but that's because we need to spend time together. It's not because I'm like, how can I numb my brain? Right. You know, I don't have time for that. Neither do you. You're when you're neck deep in writing a novel because that's a passion of yours. Or when you have your next idea for your course, guess what? Carol's committed to that. And like teachers who want that in their lives have to realize that it's an investment of yeah. time and money, but what comes of it? Like what what can you create when you sacrifice that little bit of something in your life that you actually don't need to develop a new skill? I think that once you find a new skill or a new passion that you're just so, you don't wanna watch Netflix. I mean, it's like, you know, I am crazy passionate about playing guitar. I mean, I know, (laughs) although I know the piano teachers, it's like I've sold myself as a piano person my whole life. And I am deep down in my heart. I I started playing piano first, but I'm playing guitar since I was nine. And it's like, I can't, you know, it's like, why are you going to the guitar again? It's nine o'clock at night. Cause I can, I want to do it. You know, it's like, you have that feeling where you can't be pulled away. And I would, I would say, yes, the drive, the dedication, I'm going to say flat out front, I don't have kids. So it's easier for me right there. I have to admit there's that is a life difference. Um, Even if I did have kids, they'd be out of the house by now. So I think a lot of people who are, you know, in their late 50s and finding that their kids are off at school, that they're having more time Mm -hmm. that they can spend um, enriching themselves, doing things they've always wanted to do. And for me to help a teacher um, 
you realize a dream like that. And yeah. it's not far fetched because the thing is, and I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm really good at taking down, taking a whole bunch of information, tossing out the garbage you don't need and zeroing <laughs> in on exactly what you need in order to be successful. And I would add one thing to the list that you had added that you had said, and that is organized. Mm-hmm. I just really think that in order to do this, uh, any kind of course creation, you want to be organized. Like I said, you want to outline everything. You want to brainstorm, get a yeah. notebook with tabs all over the place. I still, I scribble, I type, I do everything, but that really is the way. Once you have the outline of what you want to do, the actualizing it is not the hard part. The hard part is thinking it all out. So make your hard part enjoyable. I'm lucky I live in South Florida. I go outside and I have gigantic, I have poster size paper (laughs) when I work, 18 by 25 or whatever it is. And really to see everything laid out. And once you do that, once you have that organization, it won't feel like drudgery. It's kind of like just, you know, filling in all the missing components one by one. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you first think of an idea, it feels so overwhelming, but just taking it step by step like you've done is, is what I've tried to teach in my course that's now offered. Um, But I, to your point of you having maybe appearing to have more time, you still have passions and people in your life that you want to spend time with and probably a lot of other things you'd love to do, but you still (laughs) like set yourself, set deadlines for yourself and, you know, make an effort to create when there are other things pulling at you. And I just encourage anybody, like no matter the phase of life, whether you've got young kids or teenagers or no kids or you're retired, there just know that it's not easy to learn a new skill like this, um, but how fun and how enriching to do that versus maybe some of the alternatives. Absolutely, agree. And I can't wait to learn to compose more. (laughs) Oh yeah, I can't wait to see your pieces. (laughs) Come on, Berkeley girl. (laughs) Oh my gosh, my time. I was just thinking when I was at Berkeley, some of the songs I had, had to write, you know, in my songwriting classes, they always gave us a framework and my pieces were always very musical theaterish. <laughs> I love it. Because that's what I listened to and that's what my experiences were growing exactly. up was musical theater. I was in lots of musicals and and I didn't realize they sounded like, you know, musical theater solo or something, but yeah. my classmates would always be like, that sounded like it could have been in Cats or in Wicked <laughs> or, it. you know. <laughs> Those are some good compliments. That's good. <laughs> but it's true. Well, who, whatever you love is what's going to shine through. If you love sacred music, you might write some very uplifting pieces. If you like rock and roll, you know, you might write stuff mm-hmm. that sounds a little like Zeppelin or Green Day. <laughs> but I mean, it comes out. Kids yeah. like to play all kinds of stuff. So anything that you're passionate about, I really believe that, you know, my nephew asked me, is it true that if when I grow up, I pick something that I love, that it will never feel like work? Somebody told me that one time. And I said, this is a great question for me. Thank you for asking. (laughs) And I said, the answer is both. (laughs) You know, I do. I feel like when I'm lost in work, I it's a meditative process. I'm not even there. I can be late for anything. I have not have to set alarms. I get lost. So Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like work when I'm doing that. You know when it feels like work? 
when I'm having to send emails yeah, and I'm yeah. having to do a MailChimp blast. And I'm, I mean, I don't like that aspect. And I know a lot of creative types don't. Um, but you'll start to feel that's true. There's always the grind and the putting in the sweat, the perspiration with the inspiration. But mm-hmm. I do think that it's not as if I were standing on my feet, you know, trying to, you know, sell shoes or something that would be very <laughs> bad for me. <laughs> I did not do well in any of the jobs I had as a teenager. <laughs> They're like, oh, you're just like humming your songs. The only one writing was, on napkins. Right. right. <laughs> I, my mom made me quit one job. I was a I was working in the kitchen making pizzas at Pizza Hut. And every day they had to reach in with your arms all the way into a 500 degree oven. I was getting burns on my fingers and my violin teacher yelled at me. My mom's like, you're quitting that job. Yeah, no, 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 no. Fingers (laughs) come first always. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you, Carol, so much. I think you gave a really good overview and just uh, a a good picture in our minds of what this is for teachers. Is there anything we missed that you wanted to share uh, before we go? Gosh, I talk so much. I think I covered everything. (laughs) Um, Well, one thing I do want to say is I really I know what a great group of teachers you have, Carly. And I mean, just some they inspire me. Sometimes (laughs) some of your people make me feel a little like a slug. So and I have some of them all taking these courses and are really enjoying it. Really wonderful. So if anybody is interested um, please make sure that you email me anytime with questions. My email is carol at carolmatspiano.com, C-A-R-O-L-M-A-T-Z, carol at carolmatspiano.com. And email me with any questions you have about the composition course, the arranging course. And I'm really happy to send you some really nice leveling charts. They're graphics with examples of all the different student educational levels. I'm happy to send you some creativity activities that we talked about, as well as a couple of composition assignments that you can try your hand at. And like Carly said, yes, the composition course has 45 lessons. In other words, (laughs) I wanted to give you all the bang for your buck, but don't look at that as daunting. There's nothing stressful about this. If you encounter uh, a a unit that doesn't speak to you, I get into writing lyrics for students. If you're like, that's not my thing, skip it. (laughs) Go through, make sure you're understanding. But this is really like, say you really are like, oh, I love Mixolydian pieces. I just want to write 20 of them. Okay. So this is going at your own pace, learning what you want to learn with your own goals in mind. And so I really want to be able to help you, you know, tailor that to your needs. So shoot me an email um, and you can also look at the course on my website, carolmatspiano.com. If you just go to the shop, they're all the way at the bottom. You can click and see sample pages and recordings, a little introductory video and all that stuff. So any questions come my way. I always love to hear from piano teachers, especially uh, TMO teachers are wonderful. Uh, (laughs) And everybody who's out there just really looking to make their studios better, their their educational experiences better, enrichment for their own souls, you know, to to give you that feeling that you're you're scratching your creative itch while still making a living teaching your piano students. It's just like a it's almost like just having all of it in like one package. And I just really look forward to working with 
anybody who's even interested in sticking their foot into the pool <laughs> and giving it a shot. And Carly, I can't wait to hear your composition. Oh, gosh. I'm telling you, oh, you're stuck now. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, thanks, Carol. I'll yeah. put all the links in the show notes. <laughs> yep, I appreciate that. If you've been frustrated with online teaching or feeling discouraged about how slow it feels to grow your studio, then I would love to invite you to join me inside the Teach Music Online membership. Our online membership includes multiple courses helping you with your tech, marketing systems, scheduling and payments, new student onboarding, engagement tactics, scheduling, and so much more. All of this so that you can finally feel excited and confident in what you're building as a music teacher. With hundreds of video lessons, twice monthly live coaching calls, and a thriving, optimistic community, we are here to get you where you want to be. We now also offer additional courses, including Course Creator for Musicians and Studio Website Builder. To join us today, head over to teachmusic.online, and I can't wait to see you there.